Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me two very special guests, and actually our first time ever interviewing co-authors on the show, so I'm really excited. We have Anat Elarez and Alan Chessman. How are you both doing today? Good. I'm doing fine. Well, I'm really excited to have both of you on. Like I said, it's our first time having co-authors. So I've, you know, been talking to Anat online for quite a bit now. So I'm, you know, was excited when she was like, oh, I have a co-author. I'm like, that is really interesting. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. And, you know, we've been trying to get a few on and, you know, you know how production schedules are for one person, let alone two. So it was really hard to, you know, to get people on the show. So I'm really excited to have both of you on today so we can ask these questions and for the first time, you know, get some answers on what it's like to be co-authors. So we'll start with that first question. What have your writing journeys been like up until this point? Okay. Um, well, actually, I already published one fantasy book. Uh, two years ago, um, it's called Jewels of Smoky Quartz, and a few months ago, well, a little more than a few months ago, um, I connected with uh, Ellen, and we've started our journey together. <laughs> it kind of uh, started in an interesting way. Um, he already had this project going, and it had been going for quite some time. He'll He'll talk about that later. And he was looking for people who wanted to read like a few chapters every time he released them and give him feedback. And I joined the club and <laughs> I really enjoyed doing it. And we had some interesting conversations about things he was writing. And at some point he goes, do you want to take a command on one of the side characters? And I said, yeah, that could be cool as a, you know, like a side project, an exercise. And I started writing her background and I wrote him like three or four scenes, like future scenes. Uh, and he really liked them. And sometime later he was going like, this project is really huge. And I think I like someone to help me out on it and that's actually how it all started and <laughs> now i'll give him some time to talk about it too okay remember our code from yesterday if i try giving away too much let me know okay <laughs> okay so this project started in 2017 and to give some some background to that my background i'm retired military and mm -hmm. federal civil service so I've written military and, and civilian documents, government documents for over 31 years. And so I thought I could write. I was like, this is cool. This is easy. But I quickly found out when I started that, that fiction writing is a cult of its own. <laughs> so there are, there are rules. There are certain things you have to do and you have to do it right. And so I started investing in you know, all the, the writing references, you know, one from... Uh, Terry Brooks, uh, Jeff Vandermeer, I think is mandatory reading, um, and, and others. And the story concept was, was huge. And so I, I, I put together a trailer that was like five minutes long. And I quickly found out later on that that's taboo. It has to be 30 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. But I used that more for storyboarding to lay out the concept. And I wanted to make sure that it was something that has never been attempted before, never published before. And I've been a follower of science fiction for all my life. 
And so I know all the different tropes and I wanted to avoid those. So I, I bounced the story concept off, you know, legendary authors like S.M. Sterling, uh, David Bren, uh, Neil Stevenson, I had the opportunity to meet them and, and talk with them. And it validated that the story concept is exactly what I want it to be. But it has evolved significantly since then as I started writing it. And so over the course of five years, and it took that long because life kind of gets in the way, you know this from being a writer, that, you know, um, we had, unfortunately, some deaths in the family. I was still heavily involved in completing a history degree, which has a, a writing requirement of its own. And um, so once I finished that, you know, come this year, I, I started, I attempted the NaNoWriteMo. I think every writer has to do that. I think it's a rite of passage. And it's an accountability thing. You know, at the end of the day, you have to put numbers in, you know, or, or it, it mentally beats you up. <laughs> so I managed to, to hammer out, you know, the over the 50,000 requirement. And it pushed me right to the precipice of the end of, of finishing the book. And I realized as I was doing the story, the, the world building for this, um, it, was, it was a massive project. It was daunting at times. And, you know, you can, if you want comparisons, which I really haven't put that much thought into it, you can think of The Expanse meets Battlestar Galactica meets Stargate. I wouldn't throw Star Trek into it because it wouldn't fit, but it's just, it's just huge. And of course, it all starts with humanity. So... I put together an advisory group on Facebook. Some of my closest friends invited them to become beta readers. And everybody wants to join in, but you know, everybody has their time. So a lot of people will contribute, some won't. And uh, then I met Annette. Annette was, she really jumped into the project. She started thinking, hey, why don't you do this and this and this and talk about this and her passion for the project. And I saw the strengths in her for character development, for seeing the, over, the overall plot, if you will, and helped me identify some gaps. And with her feedback on it, I was thinking, I did research on it about taking on a co-author and all of the, the ins and outs and the pros and cons. And I said, you know what? I looked at the expanse with the two authors that wrote, you know, the S, James S. Corey, I think is the, what their pen name is. I say, Corey, yep. why not us? Why can't we do this? So I approached her with this, this offer. Hey, why don't you join me in this, in this collaboration as co-author? And we talked about the challenges with her because she lives in Israel. Mm. So there's a time gap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she's, she's working full time. She has a family and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm retired. So I'm, I'm that guy that, you know, that grandpa that sits at home, drinks coffee. Right? <laughs> So sometimes I think he's working harder than me. <laughs> <laughs> so she uh, she agreed and we laid out, you know, how we should do this. We, we identified the, the time gap, we identified meeting times. So every Saturday when life doesn't get in the way, we try to meet at nine my time. And uh, and we hammer through, you know, scenes. We hammer through talking characters. You know, we look at characters and, and their potential. And what we can do to make them better for the overall story. And I can talk more about that later. But uh, to wrap this up, that's, that's what brings us to this point. We've, we finished the book. We're able to put the end on it, which is great. And now we're going back through what most authors, as I understand, 
don't really like to do. Let's start doing the revising and the editing and the cutting and, you know, and, and reading things over and over and over till it blurs. Uh, but that's where the, the beta readers come in. And, and you have to have someone, as you know, that's fully committed to do the work and give you timely feedback. Otherwise, you know, you're like, uh, what was that movie where the guy was calling out for the students? You know, Bueller. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No response. But that's what brings us to here. Long answer for your question. <laughs> I was going to say, it was interesting because you, you, know, you mentioned a few things there that, you know, we, that I did, that I'm like, I'm trying to bring up in a seminar for co-authors. So it's interesting because you did mention, you know, like your schedule and, you know, things like that. Because we always wonder, I, I talked to a couple of people about this privately and they're like, yeah, we just Facebook message everything, honestly, and just have like a, a Google Doc because um, like they just weren't able to meet. And I'm like, was kind of surprised that, you know, how many times they're like, yeah, we met like three times over Zoom, like and actually like, discuss. I'm like, what? But like they each had um, like their characters and their chapters and went. So it's just to me, it's so interesting to see how co-authors um, you know, um, there's just so many different ways, you know, like we write so many different ways ourselves as a single author, but co-authors, it's like, there's so many different ways, you know, that people are able to do this. I always look at like, uh, JN Chaney and I'm like, how, and Andy Pelliquin, I'm like, how are you guys writing this many series with this many people? And then your single one too, you know, it's like, it's, you know, your own series. It's like absolutely crazy at some of the I just want to see the calendar production schedules for some of these people. Um, Michael Anderley, right? Yes, yes, yeah. There's another one. Yeah, I just puts out a book every Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's always interesting to see how people do those things. But well, that's really interesting. I always like to too to hear how people, you know, end up, um, you know, finding their co-author. It does seem like your guys' story, though. I've talked to several different co-authors that are going to be on the show eventually. Um, for actually this season, season three, and I think two um, other groups for seminars this summer. And they actually had a very similar experience where um, maybe it was like an alpha group, uh, alpha reader group or a beta reader group. And then same thing, you know, here where, you know, one of them was a little bit stronger than the rest and, you know, had more interest and they were like, yeah, let's try this out. Um, so to me, that's kind of an interesting process. Um, you know, you would, I, to me, I would think it'd be like a different, you know, maybe a, another type of process would happen instead. So it's just funny how that one for me, at least when I'm talking to different co-authors, keeps popping up. So to me, it seems like a, a really good one. I've seen some really good books pop out from it. So I think there's there's more to it as well. I mean, when you're, yeah. we kind of, we kind of talked to each other, we, we got to know each other, you got to identify that you're going to be able to work with the person. Oh, for sure. for sure. You have to build trust and you have to know that, you know, you're working as, as a true partnership. Yeah, one can't dominate and, and, you know, and, and try to run things. It has to be a true collaboration. Am, am I right in that? Yeah, totally. And, and both, I, both of us, go ahead. I think there's no like one, one thing fits all in this thing. I mean, different authors have different personalities and different co-authors work differently. It's like some each takes certain characters and they write their point of view or each one writes a certain chapter and then they merge it all together. But in other cases, it's okay. You write more the character development, you write more uh, the, the general uh, timeline plot going on and, and it just merges into one another. Um, th there's no like one thing fits all. It's, yeah. it's 
you, you need to find who and what uh, works for you. And in our case, you know, since we have been talking a long time before Ellen came with the offer, so he saw what I was doing kind of fit what he liked for what he already started developing. And once we did start talking about this option, we were right, really straightforward with each other. I mean, which is also important because we're talking right now only about the writing, but there's a lot of bureaucracy behind it. Yeah. Um, and you want to get these things done and, and straight before you actually start. Yeah. Um, we haven't gotten to any part that we're disagreeing on something. Even if one brings an idea and the other thinks it's not good or has another idea, we decide on what, what we like best at the end. But we haven't come to like a, a total disagreement about something which is kind of, a, oh, this might blast the whole thing. No, no um, Beatles moments yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the but, caveat on what she said is we, we identified how we want to do this. We identified potential things that might become obstacles. And we came to a general consensus, an agreement, and we laid that out in a written agreement. And I think that's yeah. key. Oh, and good. everything in the written agreement goes back to one, one principle. What's best for the series? What's best for the work? Not what's best for an ego, if you will. Mm. It's, it's, you know, what's going to advance the story and get us to where we want to be. And we identified, you know, the business process, you know, everything that you need up front so that way, that's done. It's out the way. You know, you don't have to worry about that part. The rest of it's just doing the work. It also depends about your background because um, for me and for Ellen, for example, we don't live off our writing. Um, he has his military pension. He's retired right now. I'm a physiotherapist and I work full time without the writing. Uh, we both have our families, uh, his grandchildren, my children. So, I mean, we, we're we not totally all, all done with the book and, and we're not looking at the book as something uh, of, okay, we really need to do this. We really need to do this fast because yeah. I need payment. To, I, I need a salary at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we do have a deadline, but it's a deadline because it's something that's important for how the book starts. Yeah. But it's not a total deadline as in we need money to start coming in. It's uh, So we take our time, we think more, uh, you know, we try and make things the best we can. We're thinking about how to make, uh, how to edit certain things, how to send out to better readers parts that we want to have them uh, review and, and give us their thoughts about it. Um, so again, it's different from someone who has a deadline because he needs his money to come in at the end of it. So it's another process again. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. I mean, I was just discussing with somebody the other day and they asked me, like, we had like a furnace blow and then my son was born and we had issues. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to push things back. And he's like, why would you do that? I'm like, I, I can do that. And like, that's the nice thing about indie publishing. You know, I said, I don't have a co-author or anybody, you know, uh, 
editor or anybody waiting on me. I said, that's, that's the nice thing. I said, I can take my time and, you know, set things up the way I want. And then rapid release is one thing I'm going to be doing anyways. I've always planned on doing that. So I'm like, I just, I, that's one thing I like about indie publishing, you know, is like, you just have that freedom and ability and, you know, and same, I'm in the same situation. I'm just doing it just to do it. You know, I'd like my son to grow up being like, yeah, my dad's an author, you know, he teaches, but he's an author, you know, and going to events <laughs> and doing things like this meeting people and stuff. So yeah, it's totally, and I never thought of it from a co-author standpoint, but yeah, it's totally true. So yeah, that's interesting. I feel like production schedule, my buddy, and I keep talking about that constantly. We're like production, production, production. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting, right? If you can handle your own production schedule, you know, you don't have to worry about it. I've seen a couple authors recently um, that I talked to a lot and friends with on Facebook where they're like, oh, I had to push this back because of this and that. And, you know, I feel like, well, you had to push it back. You know, there's, you know, there's not much, there's a lot out there that you could read in the month or two, you know, uh, in between, you know, I'm still going to go and buy that book, but yeah, it's totally different when you have, you know, what well, I think it's important to, to do it right the first time, you know, I've seen, fair. I have, I have friends that have, you know, we'll name names, but they're great people, but they, they rush to publish and wound up revising and republishing as many as three or four times the same book. Yep. Yep. That's what so, I want to avoid personally. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's right. especially what we're doing, because we're studying, we're building a series. So this first book is the foundation brick. You know? yeah. We've got to make sure that it's right the first time. And everything that we're doing in there create, has infinite creative possibilities. And we've, we've already discussed so many different spinoffs, so many different ways to take this thing, everything that we can do with it. That's why I said it's, it's really big. But if we don't do this right the first time, everything else, nobody's going to be interested in. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. I, I try to explain that to a couple of people recently where I feel like they did the same thing. You know, they just, I just want my stuff out there. And, you know, I, I got a Kindle Vela series. I have a couple that um, actually not you looked at the one. I actually came up with a much yeah. better idea in the same universe. And then it gave me better ideas for that one. Um, and some of the things, sure. you with. Well, some of the things you helped me with, I was like, oh, I was like, I, I don't know what, I don't know. I, I love Fitz Lieber and um, Farhan the Great Mauser, um, Paul Leskemp does a great job with the hammer and the blade. I was like, I just want to do like a buddy cap in a dark fantasy setting, like storyline, like lethal weapon, you know, in a Conan the Barbarian setting. And a lot of the things that you and I had discussed, I don't know why it just, it came out better with these two characters. And, but, you know, I got held up with baby and stuff and my friend's like, well, you want to really get those first few episodes, right. You know, so that way people will continue, you know, and then it's like in Kindle Bell, you know, you get the three episodes and then, the, you know, then after that, people start to pay or not. And if they don't pay, it's like they're done. So I'm like, I, that's the same thing, right? I'm like, I really, I've been working tirelessly. On, my, my, my wife's like, are you done yet? I'm like, no, <laughs> like I yeah. have to get the first one completely right. And then those next two so that people keep going. I'm like, I have so many cool ideas in that setting. I'm like, but if, you know, if we don't get to that, you know, and the readers don't pay, it's like, they're, they're never going to get there and the story doesn't develop. So I totally feel you on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely want to get those things right, particularly with indie publishing. I mean, you know, particularly if you guys are doing this much work, you know, with co-authoring, you know, you definitely want to get it. Well, it's a name and a reputation. Yeah, exactly. You, one. you don't do it right. then anytime somebody mentions your name, they're not going to want to have an interest. <laughs> yes i definitely understand that feeling i the, the, this podcast is the same thing like i've had tech issues before like hm long was one i like never got an email from her and i was just assuming she didn't want to meet and then the morning of i had already been it was somewhere where i couldn't get on zoom or whatever for like two hours and she, she i messaged her back i was like 
I am so sorry. I went back. I'm like, I just did not get this email. And she's like, oh no, it's not a big deal. And she's so nice about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, I'm like, that's the kind of thing, you know, that makes or break, you know, your reputation for people. So I really tried to, I hate rescheduling. <laughs> I really don't like it. Um, right. So this, this whole spring has been like, I'm like, I pushed a lot of people back into the summer. Um, so that once my son's in daycare full time during the summer, um, like we'll go and pick them up early, but I still have like every day where I have some time to either write or interview people or something. Uh, so I definitely feel you there. It's definitely, and that's, I don't think some certain people think about in terms of indie, you know, publishing, I don't think about their, that reputation piece. Cause you really are putting everything, your, your name is your brand. Right. And I feel like if you're not thinking about that, you're, you're doing something wrong there. Personally. I have a lot of friends that say, Hey, I've got 15, 20, maybe 30 books out there, but that's great. But how many are we selling? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's always that argument, right? Like we're always told indie wise to produce, but I also think you need to produce, but you need to produce quality. Um, and I think that goes a long way. Cause you think like how many covers that people have where you're like, okay, you could have done five really good books with great covers and great editing and focused on those sold a lot more. And then you have that ability, I think, to do more what you want to do versus just throwing out 50 and you know, it's, it's great to get to that number, but I think it's like Lindsay Brokers, I think is a great example where she has always gotten, she's way up there now, right? Like last, like whatever it's been like 15 years, but it's like, you know, she really has taken her time. She's a really fast writer, but you know, she really takes her time to really, you know, make sure everything in that genre is exactly what people want. And that's a high quality. She's one of the authors. Uh, when I first started this, I, I was fortunate enough to meet and befriend oh, cool. you know, a whole litany of different authors. Yeah, you know, from novice to legendary, and she's one of them along the way. And what's really nice about the indie author community is they're so welcoming. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they've walked that mile, so they know what you're going through. So they're always yeah. willing to share sage wisdom or, or mentor you along the way. Yep. Yeah, she's awesome. I'm actually having her on in August. I was trying to last year, but our schedules didn't match. So I'm really excited. I've listened to her podcast for. I don't even know, like eight years now. I think it was almost every episode with her, Joe Lalo, and uh, a couple of other people I've had on, you know, as as hosts over the last decade. But yeah, yeah, they're always talking about that, you know, like it's great to produce, but you want to worry about how you're, you know, what you're producing at the same time. So I think that's a, a great point to bring up. Uh, so you guys mentioned a little bit about the genre that you're currently writing uh, together, but I was just curious at um, maybe some of the other works that you guys had, um, you know, um, or maybe some of the other experiences you've had, um, you know, are you, you said like military and sci-fi, are you mainly a military um, sci-fi author, Alan, or do you write some other things on the side or? Well, at the moment, everything's focused on science fiction. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I do have a huge interest in, in, in fantasy, I don't know if you can see, but I'm a, I'm a huge dragon collector. Oh, yeah, yeah. all around the room <laughs> uh, you can see some here in the in the over here in the background so anyway um i do have a huge interest in, in fantasy uh, i'm an avid reader of fantasy uh in fact i'm reading uh jane uh lee's untethered skies oh cool I started that one last night it's great so far um and of course i think everybody's looking for the, the tomes that ryan cahill's putting out i just <laughs> i just got the huge stack. No, oh, okay. uh, I'm still waiting for the the newest ones um, from the Broken Binding Bookstore. If you're familiar with them, oh, yeah. they put out phenomenal products. Yeah, I want to interview them at one of the, one of these days. I got a hold of a couple of people there, so I I keep forgetting. I, I got to try and get them on this season. I would love to. So I just backed uh, Zach Argyle's. You know, new, oh, nice. Uh, omnibus that he's doing. One of the better readers. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, science fiction is where I'm focused right now. And this series is, is really important to get off the ground. And I think once I get it going, there's so much that we can write in it. You know, I think there, there are people out there that have created worlds where they actually can allow other authors come and play in their sandbox, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can come in, they can write fan fictions, you know, like uh, Nicholas Sansbury Smith, you know, yeah. great friend, great author. You know, the, the books he writes, you know, the Extinction Cycle series. You know, he's let other authors come in. Uh, Rachel Ayuks, I hope I mis didn't mispronounce her name. You know, she's written in there. Tony uh, Melacori. Um, there's a couple others that have written in you know, continuations of his Extinction Cycle and the different seasons and, and spinoffs. Um, so I, I think that's what I want to do right now. But once we get this going and the first, second book's out, I will start experimenting more with like the fantasy so I want to do one of those as well. So now speaking of fantasy, someone has got a really great book out. I don't know if you read it or not, but Annette has a fantastic book. I was just going to say, Smoky yeah, Quartz. Jewels of Smoky Quartz. Yeah, epic fantasy, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I read the first chapter a while back. I sent it to my buddy. I got to say, I absolutely love that cover. That's very like my kind of cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I actually uh, really, really like fantasy. Uh, started back in the 1980s when I played D&D. &D. Uh, a bit too young uh, for, for the good of me, but that's what happened. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and from there, it, I used to write even back then, like stories that I started and never finished. And I still have all those notebooks with parts of stories. I found them a while back and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I got a stack of them to my right over here every once in a while I go in and be like okay looking for something but yeah I definitely I was looking at something the other day I had written on my laptop like probably five years ago I was just like oh god <laughs> I was like there were some good ideas in there but it was definitely not there was a lot of a lot of issues so I was like maybe I'll go back to that one of these days definitely. yeah <laughs> I think the ideas don't look they, they don't lose their you know their spark but, you know, uh, Kelly Kelly McCullough wrote one of my favorite series, um, and the Fallen Blade series. And he, I interviewed him, and he actually said that his that character and that that world was a throwaway book for him. Like it was originally like he started writing it really young, and he was like there was just something about it, you know, that was off. And he went back after his um, web um web mage novels i believe they're called um which i have yet to read i got a bunch of them but it was just interesting and he was like yeah and then they're like oh we want this fantasy thing he goes i'll go back and he goes thank god because he was about to throw it out you know his notebook or whatever so thank goodness he didn't because i told him i was like his his character <laughs> is just like completely changed uh in the fantasy setting too you know completely changed by the way that i perceive you know, how I write. And I was like, oh, this is the kind of thing I want to write. So I was so happy to hear that he did not throw that idea away. So I agree with you. You never know when you could have one of those books just, just sitting there. That idea that we call him the kernel, the popcorn kernel on here, that one that just won't go away and might, you know, come into fruition later. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I, I think it's really, really true. And, you know, sometimes it's not even the, the major plot, but even like a certain character or... Yeah. Even a certain, um, um, how do you call it? Sorry for losing some of my words. Um, the character's character. I mean, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the way they act or, or you know, the, the small things that make them who they are. 
and then you even put it on another character altogether but it keeps their flame <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that development i always think is interesting i just had a i won't say who because they they're not ready for their their new project <laughs> but um trying not to out people anymore <laughs> or their pen names on here but um yeah an author i interviewed recently had said that like they had their popcorn idea so they're really excited because now they went back to it like you know, 10 years later after their first series, they have like four or five books out now that are about to be released. So they're like, yeah, this is going to be really good. I'm like, it's always that idea that, you know, it seems on here, at least when I interview people, it's always that idea that, you know, they originally had that won't leave them alone that always ends up being the one that blows up. So yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's very interesting. Do you know what's so unique about our co-author collaboration is she focuses on fantasy. I'm focusing on science fiction and the series we're writing it's going to have elements both. Oh, cool. So with her experience and that and what I'm focused on blended together into our project, it makes it that much stronger. Does that make yeah, sense? There's a, lot, there's a lot, like everybody says that, right? Like sci-fi and fantasy are so different, but you know, I always, I always say, are they really, you know, people ask me about this podcast, like, well, I, I like to interview horror authors as well. And, you know, I have like Richard Lee Byers was on and, you know, you know, and some other authors who do a great job writing horror and sci-fi, um, you know, with fantasy. And I think a lot of those elements, you know, you know, get overshadowed a lot of times. And I think you end up getting a much better story when you're overlaying them together. So yes, there. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Alan, because I thought it was interesting that you are coming from like the sci-fi, you know, and that's coming from the fantasy. <laughs> but I just... I was actually just about to ask that as a follow-up question here. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. So I was curious at how that, you know, that helps. But I mean, to me, it makes total sense that, you know, it bonds, you know, those elements closer together. I think they share a lot of things. And, you know, the differences I think are are great. You know, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, sci-fi, I love fantasy. But I think the, like, I think that's why Star Wars, to me at least, is so, you know, all exactly. yeah, is that it has those elements where you can, all of us can go and find something that we'd like at maybe even a particular different year, you know, like maybe I'm a little bit more sci-fi. So I'm focused on, you know, the technology or, you know, the different species or, you know, or even like their new governments or whatever. Whereas then maybe another year, you know, I'm more, a little bit more focused on the fantasy side. Mm -hmm. And, maybe I, you know, right now I'm really into the Jedi. Like I just really like more so than ever before, like, especially the older Jedi, you know, like the really early ones that Jedi or whatever they're called, um, the early Sith, I just have been really fascinated with them lately. There have been some great videos and things that have come out where I've never known some of the things I've known before, some great TikTok accounts. So I've totally gone back to Star Wars from a, from a fantasy, uh, you know, side that I've never really looked at before and I, it's like almost like a whole new thing again which is crazy because I've been watching it and reading it since like age four so you know 35 you know 30 years you know 31 years later it's kind of crazy that this thing could seem so new still Dune I think is another one like that well, to, to date myself I remember watching the original Star Wars when it came to theaters oh. so but what's really unique is why it took until now for it to be the hit that it is you know I know during the 80s you know that was a big you know, fantasy type thing, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, that was huge. Uh, I did play that in high school back in, uh, in the early 80s. Um, but now it took until now for it to finally become that much more popular where they're doing that much more with it as far as series, you know, TV, movies, etc. So it makes you wonder why, why that, that happened. What actually prevented that? What, what held up the production of that? Does that make sense? No, it totally yeah. I think 
not losing its glamour. I mean, it, it fits through the ages. Even if we talk about it, like my childhood, Ellen's childhood, you didn't have smartphones, you didn't have tablets, you didn't have all these technologies for civilian everyday use. Right. And what our own kids already take for granted. And these movies that are like uh, very advanced technologically and, and, you know, spaceships and so on, but they they never lose their um their relevance or or i mean they don't call, they don't become outdated so i think that every generation can enjoy them no matter how we advance in our real technology yeah well i think you made a good point though there are so many different things that have like clone wars really i think really kept the flame going and then you had parents that you know grandparents and then parents and then now you have younger kids you know who uh, are now turning into teenagers and adults themselves who watch those things and then I think you know as um you know as the time grew it's it's weird because I just don't like Lord of the Rings maybe but like not to the length of Star Wars I mean Star Wars it's like there's just so many different generations where it's like their thing you know and it's like it just keeps getting built upon I have yet to find a fandom like D and D. I think is probably the only thing that comes, you know, or Magic: The Gathering. Even those are the yeah. only things I can think of that, that come even close to what you know Star Wars and the fandom has been. I mean, I think it's. I think the big thing though is it's cool. And I did see this in a recent article. Um, and I'm totally blanking on who it was by, um, but they made a good point about the acceptance in Star Wars. And there's just so many different people. Um, you know, and you can like this group or that group or, you know, or, you know, be a Mandalorian or whatever, you know, and I think the choice is a big one, you know, the choice to cosplay. There's just so many, you know, well-known um, groups and some that aren't well-known, you know, I've been surprised to see some of these, like Dr. Alpha is a character, you know, that blew up all of a sudden, you know, and I wasn't sure if she was going to, you know, and it's really cool to see that type of thing, you know, and I think there's just so many different people that you can be in that universe or be like and i think that's one of the things that really draws people in um, i think we needed it because i think everybody's kind of burnt out on potter world right <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah i don't play you there I've, i'm just so surprised at how many different like mandalorian like i've seen so many tiktoks and i love cosplay i got a lot of foam here and stuff i was working with. i just i can't believe some of the things that people have done recently i'm just like i'm always amazed to see how people are building off of that the designers you know and just everyday people that are just adding some of the coolest you know pieces of star wars stuff you know like these lightsabers and my wife she's like i already know when we go to disney world you're gonna have to make a lightsaber for you and then you have to make one for you know our son and then we're going with our nephew she goes and you're only supposed to make one at a time she goes we're gonna be there all day making lightsabers and i'm like yeah you're darn right we're going to you know and it's so cool <laughs> just the choice you have with those so you know that passion you have everything we just talked about that's what we want to do with our series yeah that's fair we want this to be the next big series yeah it creates that kind of a following yeah yeah i think that's it's so funny because i think that you just just really captured why all of us get up early stay up late you know, why we do what we do, right? Uh, particularly indie, you know, is we want, people always ask, right? Like, why you spend so much time on this? Why you spend so much money on this? That's like, it has nothing to do with 
even getting that back, right? It's just the fact that, yeah, you, you I would love to see somebody, you know, Will White talked about this in a podcast a while back on, um, oh, I'm totally blanking on who it was, but he was saying um, how it, it was just so interesting where to see people come up to him with his tattoos, you know, like tattoos of, you know, his sigils or, you know, whatever uh, for cradle or to cosplay, you know, and I'm like, that's what I want really, you know? So I totally agree with you there, Alan. Like, yeah, to be like the next big thing and just to have people enjoy something that you had up here, right. That doesn't really exist. And to bring it into fruition and existence, I think would be, that's actually my, always my goal. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah, Nicholas Sansbury-Smith is doing that. I'm, I'm sure if you read his Hell Diver series or familiar with it, well, actually, I have. I think I bought the first three in that series. I have not read them yet. They're actually on my list for this summer. He's created the unit patches, you know, for the characters. Yeah, yeah, they're so cool. Yeah, yep. Patches. Now he has figurines, you know. Yeah, yeah, they were cool. Yeah. If we had not had a baby on the way, I would have them all right behind me. But I was behaving uh, at the time, so we'll see how long I can last. You know, and Matt I mean, and I have already started discussing about that. You know, we. Oh, that's cool. You know, you'll learn some of the different different pieces of the storyline, but the main military is the Kelninian Defense Force, the KDF. And so we're going to design patches to follow that type of, of process. So people can have that for part of their, their fandom, if you will. You know, that we did, I just recently designed a prototype for the Kelninian Defense Force service flag. You know, each, each of our armed forces in America has their own flag. So we wanna have that to build upon. So we're, we're thinking about the small things that people will care about. It's, it's, it's it's strange how it's those little things that will make a difference in somebody's decision to like or stay with a series. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think of um, Galaxy's Edge um, with Jason Anspach and Nick Cole. Um, you know, they have the same thing. Like the Legionnaires are just so cool to me. That's one of the main reasons why I got into Eva foam. And that's going to be like one of my main costumes um, when my buddy and I um, go next year to a couple different cons that we're going to try and sell at some of the bigger ones like Chicago and New York city. Um, but I just, I love like, I, I hope they have figurines one of these days, but they have the same thing. They have the patches, they have hats. I mean, they have like really, really, really cool merchandise. I love the books. Um, Audible does a good job. Um, yeah, but like they have really cool, um, merchandise. I like this. It's always so interesting. They always send me an update in the newsletter. I'm like, I, now I stay away. Cause I'm like, I know I'm going to buy too much stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's a cool way to, to get people. And they always say too, when I ever hear them on a podcast, um, they're like, yeah, we're not even interested in making our money back. They're like, we're just trying to get people, you know, to enjoy our world and, you know, to, to build upon it. Um, and for them, it's basically like a way to reward the fans for being fans, you know, to have something physical, you know, just besides the book, something that they could wear or, you know, or have. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's really cool. I think they actually too, somebody, or was it um, Ben Galley? Somebody, I think Ben had like the coins. Um, yeah, which were really cool. Um, and that was like one of the things on his Kickstarter. Um, and that was like a really big deal. A couple of people have done that recently. So I think anything. Sean Speakman does that with Terry Brooks's, you know, books. We did like the Fall of Shannara. They had yep. unique yeah. coins to go with it. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that that's, yeah, I think those are really cool ideas. Yeah, that's neat uh well I like we talked a lot of really cool stuff there <laughs> um so I'll kind of go down just a little bit um so like number five so what are some triumphs and challenges that you both can share with us when it comes to this process that you guys have been in in terms of um co-authoring or maybe just the world that you built in general or maybe like the character development yeah 
So I think challenges is, uh, well, it, it's both on the writing side and the plot side. So on the general writing side, it's like we said before, <laughs> we have a lot of challenges that we don't live in the same country and not the same time zone and not even the same, you know, traditions and stuff. So like your weekend is today and I was... Uh, after a work day when we started talking. So even these things are, are kind of small challenges for co-authors to, to find the right time to get together and talk. But you can always find it. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really lousy excuse if, if you make it an excuse <laughs> to not do it. Um, as for, for the plot and the writing, um, well, I don't need, don't think right now we had much challenges as in, you know, like dead ends that we couldn't figure out. Um, it's more like, oh, this can happen. And this, this specific character, we had lots of like side characters from the first book who are actually going to get a lot more spotlight in book two and three. Oh, cool. Strange which we already started plotting out. Yeah. And, um, and it's it was it's not like the main sorry sorry if you lost me I think I had an incoming call so sorry um, <laughs> it was like oh now you can't hear what I'm saying so uh, anyway. It's uh, it's not like the the main characters in book one will lose their their part, but other characters will become also important in book two, and um, I think the the major challenge was right now with if if we're taking back to book one, which is the book that's coming out as soon, um, it's like making sure that the timeline always fits. It's a very, very fast-paced book. I mean, the whole book, which now is going around 400 pages, oh, wow. as it is now before final edit editing. So it, it all happens in about 72 hours. Oh, wow. So the pacing is very, very strict, very, very fast. And, and there are things that we're looking at and no, this can't happen at this time because the other one had happened like five minutes later. So we have to push it back, we have to push this forward. It's like making sure that everything fits because some, you know, some readers will just enjoy the story. They don't care for every single detail, but there are those who do and I care for them too. <laughs> one thing wrong. One we want to get it straight and get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely seen that before. <laughs> okay, so now I'll give you a long answer. So you, we'll start with challenges. So going off of what she just said about how fast-paced it is, there is, I'm trying to, when I first started the project, and we've continued to morph this, there are so many different things. There's not just one post-apocalyptic event. This, the entire book every scene is going to be a roller coaster. You know, I've, I've read stories, and I'm sure you have too, where 
something exciting happens and it goes into a lull. Things get quiet. Okay. Things get boring. You get a lot of dialogue, a lot of, a lot of monotonous details. You know, maybe some info dumping. Then all of a sudden, boom, something else happens. The book that we are we are preparing in the series, you're on a constant high. You know, I, I like to use the term high octane reading. That's what we're hoping for. You know, the, the person I want to emulate is, is Nick Sansbury Smith. You know, every scene he has is excitement. And it, and it builds upon the last scene. It just continues all the way through the end. You don't want to put it down. That's yeah. what we want to have. But having said that, there are so many different things that happen. And I won't give away the whole cookie here. Remember, Annette, cut me off if I start. So you start with the, the first chapter, which I sent you, which focuses on a, a massive solar storm. You know, something that could happen any minute while we're talking. This is, this is real life stuff. And so it walks you through that. And then you find out that the world, and this is going to be triggering. I started this back in 2017. And it involves Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, saber rattling, you know, threatening World War III. And, you know, with troop movements along the border of Ukraine, Finland, et cetera. So this is back in 2017. So that may be triggering to some folks. So I'll have to apologize ahead of time. But it builds upon world on the brink of extinction by its own device yeah. and so you have the solar event you have the world getting ready to end based on war you have the two collide and you have the event happen with the solar storm and it looks like doom and gloom for the planet and then all of a sudden you have the space anomalies that occur and there's one for each planet in our solar system and they are the size of the planet and without giving all the details, they, you know, the Earth, the Earth will be shielded by this. Um, it will collide with the Earth, and there are things that will happen to the Earth. And it's one thing about being an author that you get to the point where people say, "Well, why did you kill this person? Why did you kill that person? Or why did you kill the masses?" You know, it's not like George R. R. Martin and his Red Wedding, but you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of people going to make it. Sorry. So. And from there, you start dealing with the aftermath. And then you have, you know, we introduce time anomalies, space-time risks, where we have people from 600 years in the future on Earth that are now pulled back because of the events happening at the, in the beginning of this book. And so they're having to deal with that reality. How do they interact with the survivors on the ground? You know, that's where you introduce the, the Kalaninian Defense Force, the KDF. And there's a, there's a story behind that. I think I may have sent you a video, a teaser trailer. If I didn't, I'll send that to you. Where we talk about the KDF and, and how that society, you know, came to an end long ago, like 200,000 years ago. Um, I'll give a teaser. You know, most people wonder where the asteroids came from. Well, that's the remnants of the Kalinia planet. So... So you have all these different elements coming together and it continues. And then you start getting into all these different characters. You know, one thing I, I, challenged, I was challenged with at the beginning was, I'm sure you've seen the movie uh, uh, Armageddon um, 2012. Yeah. yeah. This whole litany of all these different players at government levels and the military and everything else. And you, I think the most recent one is Moonfall. And you try to bring all these people together, but then you have to start worrying about those characters that the reader is going to start to love. 
You know, they want to see them. They want to champion them, their survival, or their their motivations and desires. And so that's where I was at when Annette stepped in. Mm. She's really great at, as you probably saw from reading her, her book some, you know, character development is key for her. Yeah. yeah. Naturally. And so we started exploring all the different characters in there. And what about this person, this person? And I also, before she came on, I asked some of my friends, okay, who wants to be a character in the book? Of course, everybody raised their hand, right? <laughs> so there are some that became strong beta readers, you know? And so we, we named some of the characters after them. And she took one of the characters, you know, that's on the, uh, the Delta Force team, uh, Team Kilo. And she took that non-commissioned officer and she put a complete background story to her. You know, she went through all the different trials and tribulations that she's gone through in her life and how that factors in to her emotions and how she acts in the book. Mm. So we kind of caveated off of that and tie that into other characters and built their stories and backgrounds. So that brings a lot more, what was the term yesterday, color? It brings a lot more color to the storyline. Um, so that, those were the challenges. Um, as far as victories or accomplishments, achievements with this, I think everything that I just told you has, has built upon itself to become an achievement. It's made the story that much better that much stronger, if you will. And we're not done yet. As she mentioned, she, as she alluded to, there are certain characters that, you know, I created in the beginning that were just, okay, they're there and then they're gone. But all of a sudden now they're back with a vengeance. They're taking on a stronger role, which typically happens to writers. And, you know, <laughs> driving the train, so to speak. So now those, those people are going to have a huge part of the plot. We've already talked second, third, fourth book, where they fit in. What's going to happen to other characters? And who's going to do what to who? And how do we keep people guessing who's actually doing it? So that's where the fun discussion really happens. You see her laughing about it. But this is <laughs> conversations we have, you know. Some are, some are on uh, on team meetings and, and some are on Facebook chats. But you know, we're, I'm up you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. She'll pop on. She says, are you up? <laughs> I'm up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, putting the dogs out. And we're, we're chatting, you know. It's just or she'll have a writing spurt and you know, she'll put everything in there. Or I'll put it in there. And we just we meet in the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You got a long answer to your question. <laughs> I was going to say, you answered a couple of different ones there. So I think that's awesome. Um, uh, there was a lot there to unpack. Um, I guess I'm now this makes me even more curious for our second to last question for both of you. Because um, it just compounds off of what you both have already said. So you made me really interested in characters now. So I guess I'm curious for both of you that if you can meet one of your characters, which one would it be and why? I think we're going to have to wait for an app to come back on. <laughs> Sorry. Is she coming? Sorry. Okay. That's okay. I just what said happens when you're your phone <laughs> and not your computer, but I, I wasn't at home, so that's fine I, as I, I have so much training lately like I have like 10 hours between tomorrow and Wednesday so I'm gonna have the same thing I have like one meeting start after another begins so my poor wife can't call me she's got to text me the entire time because <laughs> otherwise I have to get off the meeting I was just uh, asking you and Alan for our second last question there just going off of both of your answers who is one of your characters that you would want to meet and why and don't worry you guys can choose different characters <laughs> 
I have to, you want it from our from our uh, uh, combined series, or do you, or does it have? Can it be from any one of our writings? Oh, actually, it can be from anything. Actually, yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, so if you want, to, yeah, if you want to pick one, you know, from epic fantasy, or you know, yeah, I just was curious. So far, uh, you know, like out of any of your characters that you guys have either written together or separate, like who would be your favorite and why? So, well, the hardest question for in people. our combined writing, um, it, it would actually probably be the the character that started our connection that Ellen said, do you want to take this character and, and build it up? And I said, sure. Mm. And so I, I so enjoyed writing her and, and putting, you know, her character into her that um, I, I, I sure would have loved to meet her. <laughs> and, her name's, uh, her, she actually has her first name, Nat Wade. Is, is the I'm not going to say that one, so sh <laughs> That's awesome. It's too strange, so it's uh, it's probably gonna change before the book comes out. Uh, you're fine. But, it's uh, you're okay. You can do whatever. It's okay. That's the basic thing <laughs> about the genre, right? Between science fiction and sci-fi, you could literally name anybody anything, and they're like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but Besides still, it's, it's still a, an Earth uh, American name at the, at the beginning of the story. <laughs> it's not one of the other species coming into it so yeah it still needs to make some sense uh with with all the things we're trying to keep logical yeah, <laughs> so yeah. <is> this one. <laughs> um yeah but um if it's from my first book then it's probably going to be the second mc which is kind of built on a prototype of the kind of characters i like to play when i used to play D. &D. Oh, okay. so he's kind of had everything pushed into him about things that I used to enjoy in, in my characters. And um, it would probably be kind of cool to, to get to, to know him personally. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Oh, all right, Alan, those are two really good answers. How about you? Okay, so for me, it's gonna be one of the main characters. There, he has a brother, there's two of them. So one, uh, he started out, his name was Logan, but we changed that to one of my former soldiers who wanted to be one of the characters um, so his name is mark mcleod now and his brother is we're, right now his name is mike mcleod and we're going to change that to either nick or brad we haven't really decided on that yet so one that the one I, I would like to meet would be logan now mark because he's a team leader for a recon element of the u.s army's delta force and he has a, a key role with leading his team and a team of embedded civilian scientists and he has a complement of army rangers for security. So he has to lead a tough mission, um, basically to explore, you know, remnants of the West Coast. I won't get into what happens to California. Hope you don't have any friends over there. But anyway, you know, we, we put him and his team through hell and back. And, you know, he, he has, in fact, it was funny when I was writing the character, you know, I, I hammered out his, his First part of the storyline, he has a girlfriend named Gail, dog named Max, and you know I, I factored in you know a female lead into the civilian embedded scientists. You always have you know when they're human nature when you know, humans are put through you know hell that they naturally attract towards each other. So my wife, when she was reading as a first beta reader, and she saw him start to you know flirt with the civilian scientists, you know she didn't like him very much. 
she had actual <laughs> choice words and, and descriptive terms that I won't repeat on here because I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> but uh, but it evoked that kind of emotion. So I was like, yeah, that's what I want. So, but I would like to sit down with him just because of my military background, you know, and knowing what he's gone through and and having to deal with embedded civilians and you know the, the power struggle that's there because you know the civilian thinks they're in charge when the master sergeant really is in charge especially when you get into a tight situation and you know you expect as a military leader for those under you follow orders and, and make it happen or else people die so but and then he has his his, his, his brother who's an air force quick reaction pilot based out of travis air force base he drives uh, f-22 raptors and so he's dealing with, you know, the Russians as they come in and that's real world. You know, the Russians actually test our air defenses and our airspace all the time. Most people don't know that. So they have bombers that run their, their sorties, their, their practice runs. And of course it's a mount, it's a game of cat and mouse, you know, but when he comes back from dealing with that, he's got a wife, Sonia. And, uh, you know, so I won't get into what Sonya does, but Sonya is one of the characters that took on a major role. You see a Nat smiling. Oh my God, the plot that we have for her. So, um, but these two brothers, you know, they, 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 they work through everything that we put them through into the end. And they're in a totally different environment, a totally different world. You know, it ties back to the title of the book. You know, it's phased world, which I'll tell you about that here in a second, a new beginning. So, the brothers, all the characters, the survivors of humanity, and plus these people that were brought back through a space-time rift are all meshed together in a fight for humanity's survival. And then, oh, by the way, you know, we're introducing other races, other species, other beings, because everything that's going on in the solar system and all the massive energy that's output from there and the history of the Kelninians in the future, you know, it, there's a lot of people out there that don't like them. And so all of a sudden, our solar system is the focal point of the universe. So it's all going to come to a head. And everything we've got laid out for these guys and for characters and others to be yet be to be introduced, we've already had plans for eight to 12 books, spinoffs. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. So to say that it was a massive project is, is, is an understatement. And yeah. It's still growing. So again, you got another long answer for your question. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, we're wrapping up time here. I just want to see for that last question. Do you guys have any news, updates, promos, or current projects you can share with us? I think this is the major project we're we're dealing with. <laughs> and the thing is that, as we said, that the book itself, the first book, is all happening in the 72 hour space uh, time uh, span. And um, it happens on Thanksgiving. Oh. And this is one of the reasons that we are pushing it forward. So it's, okay. uh, so the book comes out just to, just to reach exactly that same holiday and kind of give it a, an extra oomph to the- Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. So for the for the promos, you know, the the cover and I have to give great credit to my friend May Donnie. She's one of the very first authors that I made connection with. I don't know if you're familiar with her or her work, but May Donnie, she lives in the Netherlands. Uh, she's an author. 
she was writing her book, uh, Instinct, uh, Survival Instincts at the time. Mm. It's a great uh, post-apocalyptic dystopian novel, uh, strong female character led. Um, she's also a graphic designer, video production specialist, developmental editor. She does it all. She even has her own publishing imprint, Heroes Publishing. And she took me under her wing and she started teaching me about the nuances of writing and, and everything. In fact, one of the very first, first books she sent me, I don't know if you can see it, is Hack Your Writing. It's about killing all your darlings and all that. I'm sure you're familiar with those terms. But she, uh, she designed the cover art for, our, for the book. And she recently you know, did some promos for me. I think I sent you some of those images as well. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna have her, we're, we're gonna work with her on some of the patch designs because she's so good. And also for you know the, the flag and all these other graphics that we're going to do together. So those promos are coming. Oh, cool. I do have, you know, there are two videos out there that I created a couple of years back. Like as I mentioned, the first one is about five minutes long. I'll send you the link for that. And also the link for the teaser about the destruction of Cal Nina, the long history behind that. You know, a lot of people are going to be upset when they find out that the history as you know it and how the humans came to be on Earth, it didn't come from the hominids didn't happen. There's a totally different story behind that and, and how we got to where we are now. So I'll share those with you as well. Um, more to follow. The, the book series is coming <laughs> along. We're, we're hammering our way. We're trying to polish it up the best that we can to make sure, as we, we alluded to throughout the discussion here, that it's the best that it can be and that the follow-on books will continue to build upon that. And so we want to have that series we talked about where everybody's saying this is the, the hottest new thing. You know, it, it was a critical, as I mentioned in the beginning, I was balancing the story concept off of legendary authors. One of the great ones that really gave me you know, intensive uh, feedback was David Brin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He, uh, everybody knows the movie The Postman, Kevin Costner. Yeah. He, he has a whole plethora of, of great science fiction out there. He's a, a speculative fiction guy public speaker. He's all over LinkedIn. I don't know if you're on, I'm sure you're on LinkedIn, but he has great uh, articles he posts. But he read through the storyline. He visited my website. He gave great feedback on everything. He compared it to you know, other authors and uh, gave me some writing advice after that. So I, I can't wait to send him an actual copy signed to thank him for his time. So one other thing I'll, I'll put out there we continue to work on our craft. So a guy that you've, I think you've interviewed on here before, Gareth Powell. Yeah. Oh, no, no, not, not yet. No, I interviewed uh, his wife, actually. Uh, oh, Diane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great news for those two. I don't know if you saw it, where they're yeah, trying yeah. to start their own yeah. publishing imprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about oh. that. They're coming on for a seminar at some point about uh, world building for science fiction. Yep. I just ordered his great book from uh, Mr. B's Emporium in, uh, in England, across the pond. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's it for the promos more to follow. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that's going to come with it. Like I said, patches, merchandise, everything that people are going to be able to take and own a piece of this universe. That's awesome. Well, cool. Who you follow? I was going to say, yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, if there's anything we could do it, you know, in the meantime, between now and Thanksgiving, um, uh, let me know, um, if you're listening to this or watching this podcast, um, you know, everybody's books will, and social media will be in the description per usual season three by now. So usually most people are used to that, but if you're new, welcome. Uh, but please make sure you check out the description and check out their books and social links. Cause that's really the only reason that we're here. 
Um, Ellen, Annette, thank you so much. It was a great, you know, I had a great time discussing this with you guys. I hope to get you guys on for one of the co-author panels. We'll have uh, two different teams, so four people. Um, so yeah, I'm anxious to get you guys those invites and we'll get the calendars sent to you guys as soon as possible for those, as well as this uh, production release. But if there's anything else we can do in the meantime, uh, you know, just let me know. Other than that, you know, I hope you two have a good rest of the day and I look forward to talking in the podcast group or on social media. Thanks for having us. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, anytime. See you guys. Have a good rest of the Thank day. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.